Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Wherever you are, welcome to an episode of Shoe Punches. We are. Wow. <laughs> Joy just punched her microphone. We are here today to put the her in aerothermodynamic. And. We are. <laughs> Aero and therm- thermal? Thermo? Thermo. Aerothermodynamic. It's, um, it's just like a. To me, I have no idea what that means. I know what thermodynamics are. And I know the arrow has to do with flight. Right. I don't know what the word means. But if you look at it, like, printed, it's a very pleasing looking word. Okay. So I just, if you all just want to write that down and look. <laughs> and, look and woosa. Like, it's very relaxing as far as I'm concerned. Aero thermodynamic. If you know what it means, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. My name is Summer Yeager, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, I'm going to an escape room tonight. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm exceptionally nervous because I cannot think straight. I'm so tired. Oh, gotcha. The only thing, every 30 seconds, my brain goes, lay down. (laughs) <laughs> that's what my brain is saying to me like so i'm like it's 6 30 tonight am i gonna be like let's solve this puzzle let's really well maybe if you're you tell yourself i get out of this room go home mm. go to bed but i'm not i'm going to dinner after right oh so after i have to be a fun person and my body is like go lay down <laughs> <laughs> Every 30 seconds, I just want you to know. <laughs> what is, the theme, what is the theme of your escape room? Um, well, is there a bed in the room? <laughs> right, because I'm going to lay on it. <laughs> That's where I'm going to be. Um, it's called Suspects, and I don't know anything okay. about it. But I do know that this particular escape room place is extremely highly rated. And okay. has uh, only positive reviews, and they've been around for a long time. So I'm hopeful that um, everyone else got some sleep (laughs) because this is not going to go well. Maybe being trapped in a room will release some adrenaline or something like that. And then you'll. I would love that. Just I'm awake. Right. Solving puzzles and crimes. Right. That is not going to happen. Well, first the escape the room is the puzzle and then you go to dinner and someone's killed at the restaurant and you solve the murder. I'll solve that. Mm-hmm. This got really wild. Wait a minute, guys. We just did this. <laughs> you guys, we Wait. just. Oh, we, I've done this before. We just solved a bunch of puzzles. I just found out. Don't even call the police. <laughs> Don't even. I can we solve. We are experienced solve puzzle right solvers. Now. That would be what uh, January says. I just recently discovered that her one of her favorite movies right now is the 1986 film Clue. Oh, also <laughs> love that movie. Also love it. Never seen it. And really love pretty much anything seen it. with that dynamic. Yeah. 
anything mm-hmm. that is that like Agatha Christie esque. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, there are twelve D- people in a house. Yeah, and I love that. Usually, did some... you like um, the new Murder on the Orient Express? The one from uh, yeah, twenty-seven. Um, I don't think 18, I twenty-eighteen. I think it was different. Didn't it have a different ending from the book? You know, I haven't read the book, so I, I don't think know. It had a different, but well, Johnny wait. Depp was in it. Um, I really like the guy that played Poirot. Oh yeah, cannot think of his um, name right now. Also, cannot think of his name. Uh, but he was fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I really did. I didn't. I did I not dislike it. the most recent one. They're making um another one. They have one. I'm not. This is not a recommendation because mm. I haven't. I actually fell asleep in like the first five minutes, oh. which does not speak to how boring it is. <laughs> I was, it just I was like, that's really not a recommendation. How <laughs> to how much I t- <laughs> will fall asleep whenever I stop moving again. We Same. have this in common. Go lay down. But there's one. It's called Knives Out with Daniel yeah. Craig. Hated with it. oh really? I wanted to love it. I wanted to love it. See, I think I Did I think not. I watched like the first five minutes, and then I wa I saw the the ending, like the okay. like so the you know crime solved. Okay, and I think I was a little that it lost some like whimsy. Yeah, which is kind of a part of that. Like there it always has to be a lot of whimsy. There is always has to be this like uh constantly you weren't looking around constantly wondering who did it because you kind of know who did it the whole time so i think it from what i saw again i was in and out i think they bungled the reveal and it just it was not enjoyable for me yeah and i i typically love that kind of movie right so i was disappointed and i keep thinking maybe if i watch it again i will feel differently but that's uh classic wishful thinking yeah, well, and sometimes things just aren't... Just not going to waste another two hours on. It's like I didn't... Mm-mm. It's a competitive world out there in the, in the world of art and film. Yeah. I, I don't owe you a second viewing, so no. you better... I think it got <laughs> I think it got so much attention because it was put out in the era of remakes. Right. And so it was like, oh, a movie that's not... I mean, as far as I know, it's not a remake of... You know, I mean, it is the classic and, detective well, trope. Well, I was really, really willing to give Daniel Craig yeah. a shot at being the next. No. And no, he just didn't. It didn't. It fell. Anyway, aerothermodynamic. I'm right. going to go not solve a mystery tonight. And uh, Well, you are, actually. Well, <laughs> at some point I'll know. I don't know if I'm going to solve it is what I'm saying. The The solving of this problem is super up in the air it's for me. Team, they have to let us out. There. I know they, they want to make money, so they're not going to keep us captive. <laughs> right. It, my hope is, anyway. <laughs> if this is the last episode of Sheologians that you hear, you'll know. Now write this good review <laughs> don't and get back in your cage. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't solve the problem. You're staying here. That's how we're so affordable. We keep everyone. <laughs> Gabe is trying to tell me that Knives Out is a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> that is so classic Gabe. You know, Gabe. I want to love it. And maybe I, I do. There's much there that, you know, when a movie really has all the things that should make that it. That should make you love it. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. It just fell for me. It fell right over on its face. Like if Daniel Craig was here in studio right now and he had like a very excited, expectant face on, I'd be like. You did. You tried so hard. You did a good job. It, yeah, knives out, man. <laughs> Everybody, come on. But he's not here. If Daniel Craig <laughs> threatened me with a knife, I might tell him the movie was okay. <laughs> 
priorities. <laughs> yep. Uh, but if he was, what is his nationality in that movie? He, German? He was supposed to be Southern, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't even remember. It was bad. Or was it Southern? Who? Oh, who yeah. It was a, like it was like a Louisiana. Who buys a British Daniel Craig being Southern? Not no, I. Yeah, I just remember. And then it. I'm sorry, but Captain America in a pullover sweater vest, get out, leave. Because the world's don't. <laughs> I I don't know if I would try to cause that kind of controversy. The uh, world is in love with Chris Evans. Right I now. don't care. He should not be in a sweater vest. They're going to come for you That's even more than any of the other come, things you say, which is insane. I'm ready. You know what? I'm so tired. I don't even care. Summer's about to fight thrown, Captain America. I've thrown caution to the wind. <laughs> I've lost it. Anyway. <clears throat> yep. That's me. I'm Summer. Um, <laughs> Here you're right. I'm, Here I am. Uh, Joy and uh, I'm here with my beautiful co-host Summer as she just stated. Is that my name? <laughs> Go lay down. <laughs> there may be some people listening that are like Sh- okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that right now. If you do want to lay down oh. then you can lay down and you're not like shirking any duty. Enjoy. Go ahead. It's night somewhere right? Write me a letter about it. Tell me how great it was. Well, <laughs> but if they're doing that, when you're done, okay, afterwards, <laughs> just want some sleep to be. Is it contagious? Is sleep contagious? <gasps> what if sleep was contagious? That would be amazing. What? Um, no, I don't know. I instantly, my brain instantly went for like, how are the ways that that could go wrong? Oh, but think of all the ways it could go right. <laughs> I'm so what if you were on a long road trip? Yeah. And the person in the, the back person, fell asleep. Yeah. Then you all could sleep forever. And nobody would. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> my mind also then instantly went like nobody would be allowed to sleep on airplanes because <laughs> everyone would fall asleep. We can't go on airplanes anymore anyway because we don't have our papers. <laughs> <sighs> Everyone on this flight must be awake and vaccinated. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, well, I was going to say that. And then the logic still stands that we would all sleep together forever. I mean, after the plane crash. Honestly, right now, I'd take it. Um, <laughs> did you say who you are? You're Joy. I did. Okay. Yep. I did. All right. Well, hey, if you can think of a way to make sleep contagious, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. You can hit us up at patreon.com. That sounds like actually a real pandemic. Yeah, that would be a pandemic. Like everyone just falling if asleep sleeping, randomly. Yeah, it would be bad. That's like a dystopian. Babies would rule the world. They never want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you like grow into your contagious you guys, there's not a lot of rules in this. I world. shouldn't be allowed to talk today. Is <laughs> what we're saying. Um, I'm sure some people agree with you. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you want to support us, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/theologians. You can also join book club there. We are currently reading by what standard? God's world, God's rules, and it's super fun. Join like a hundred other ladies. It's a great time. We do that every Wednesday at yeah. 1 p.m. Pacific time. Um, you can grab a t-shirt, shopshielogens.com. We also have mug stickers, totes, and hoodies. I mean, it's too hot for that. 
Um, anyway, I don't have anything else to tell you like that. So today, we're going to hopefully, I mean, we're going to hopefully answer a question that we have gotten since we have decided to take a stance on what forgiveness is and is not. Right. How to live, how to forgive as God forgives. Uh, we have tried to take a, uh, hopefully a biblically principled stand against the therapeutic model of forgiveness, which is mostly something you do for your own benefit and well-being. But because the therapeutic model of forgiveness, and I would recommend if you haven't listened to those episodes to go back and listen to our forgiveness episodes because you won't understand what I just said if you haven't (laughs) or just it's a hot tip. Anyway, uh, the question that we have gotten because of that conversation is, okay, if there is no repentance, reconciliation uh, between myself and another person because of a because of something that they have done, because of sin that they've committed. They're not sorry. They're not repentant. Um, they're not looking to be reconciled. Maybe they don't even recognize that something needs to be reconciled. Um, and we're over here telling you, you know, uh, you you can't force them to do that. Uh you know, basically the question has been, so am I supposed to just live with all this resentment? Like, it seems as though there seems to be this dichotomy, this like belief that either you are therapeutically, quote unquote, forgiving everyone all the time, even though they're, you know, they don't want your forgiveness. Right. They're not seeking reconciliation. Um, they're not being accountable. They're not confessing their sin. Um, if, if I am not supposed to engage in this therapeutic model of forgiveness, then you're telling me I just have to be resentful. Right. The two options are release your anger or hold on to it. So like either, you know, let be free or like be in a cage, right? (laughs) Cage yourself in with all this. And that's the thing. That's what, that's like the the therapeutic model suggests that there's that you you do you like release yourself from the bonds of what that person did to you Mm -hmm. but that's a totally different thing than forgiveness forgiveness is (laughs) um but yeah but that's not that's not how it is um but obviously we think it's important enough to have this discussion because um not all of us had had really thought through what are the conditions of forgiveness. Right. So this is obviously just something we can all spend a little time. We're not trying to split hairs over semantics or what these things mean. What we're trying to do is today we want to talk about what resentment free living looks like. Yeah. Because there is no, your choice uh, is not, I forgive them I restore the relationship regardless of whether or not they want it to be, or I'm super angry, bitter, resentful for the rest of my life. Right. Because being super angry and bitter and resentful is not an option for the Christian. I think a lot of people call refusing to be angry, bitter, resentful forgiveness. I think that's what they call it. 
Um, we would not agree with that position. Forgiveness is a transaction. Um, it does have conditions. Right. Um, God's forgiveness is conditional uh, upon, you know, you receive a restored relationship and you receive reconciliation to God um, as a gift that he has given you. But he gives you the gift to repent and believe. Right. So it is all of God uh, and we are not God. So some people have questions about that. But I just want to what I'm pointing to is that God's forgiveness is conditional. Those who repent and believe are saved. A real transaction happens. Right. Um, and so we do believe that you have to live in a Jesus says you need to be ready to forgive. So every time your brother comes to you and says, right, every every time your brother comes to you and repents, you are to forgive every time, 70 times seven. So that means you may be, instead of being imprisoned in this tower of resentment, you are intended to be preparing yourself. Yes. For the transaction to take place, which means that um, Mm -hmm. you may prepare yourself for a very long time. You may never you may never receive Mm -hmm. uh, that that transaction may never go down, Mm -hmm. but you are supposed to live as though it will. And and in that moment, you will be prepared to complete the transaction so that when someone comes to you in repentance Mm-hmm. Um, you can say, oh, here it is. You Here's the moment I've been preparing my heart for. Be reconciled. Right. And if you've been cultivating bitterness and resentment instead right. of culti- cultivating love and grace and long suffering and patience mm-hmm. and a, a heart that is ready, then you, when they come to you and ask for forgiveness, what? how easy is it going to be for you? <laughs> you know, if what right. if resentment is what you've been practicing. It's not going to be simple to Mm -hmm. forgive and to be reconciled because forgiveness and reconciliation go hand in hand, right? Right. There's no, no one has been forgiven by God that is not also reconciled. Right. It's a part of the, it's a part of the deal. Yeah. The equation. So when you say, I forgive you, you are agreeing to be reconciled to that person Obviously, consequences of sin remain, and those can be dealt with. Yeah. But the rec- the brokenness in the re- when you forgive someone, you're saying, "I I will put away this sin. I will remember it no more. Right. God remembers your sin no more. You are to remember their sin no more. Again, consequences exist, and they're a real thing in a fallen world. Yeah. But the point is, is that it is a it is not true that you must be filled with resentment and anger if the forgiveness and reconciliation hasn't happened yet. And so when people ask why or how, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to live in such a way where I'm not resenting this person who isn't sorry. And I would say, number one, well, how you do it is you're commanded by God to do it. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Um, But you won't is the more honest or perhaps it's the more honest question you should ask yourself Mm -hmm. Um, because you can. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. if you're commanded to do it by God, you can and you have a new heart. You can. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah, the issue is really uh, if you if you will or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, if you are saved, you will eventually. <laughs> um, but we can certainly draw draw the process out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think that I think that forgiveness and resentment aren't opposites of one another. Correct. But resentment, if you have forgiven someone, you will not be resenting them. And I think that's where people get caught up because they're like, oh, no, but I have decided to forgive them. Mm-hmm. But now I'm still having resentment. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Decide again to forgive. Right. And decide again to forgive. And I think that's the big thing. And decide is again that, to right. forgive. Yep. <laughs> and and for the most part, that's not a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would say for I'm sure there are a few exceptions to this. But for the most part, we have all experienced situations like generally we experience situations that are somewhat easy to forgive. Mm-hmm. Like in your day to day, we're not talking about like catastrophic mm-hmm. uh, instances that need to be forgiven. But what we do have is each of us in our lives can probably think of a catastrophic <laughs> uh, a moment mm-hmm. that required forgiveness that maybe some of us are not even sure we can give mm-hmm. um because we're obsessed or we're just constantly uh dwelling uh we're talking about it only mm-hmm. at any time anyone will lend an ear mm-hmm. we talk about it um and so i think it kind of we maybe we trick ourselves into thinking that it's like supposed to be this somewhat easy mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. uh but it's not always sometimes it is very easy um and i think many times it should be easy i think you know we just did an episode about maturity and i think a mark of maturity can be a very quick willingness to forgive and and again that's just means they're practiced in the act of forgiveness that that doesn't mean they're perfect it means they actually had to be do the work right they had to um that means they had to be Mm -hmm. they were wronged Mm-hmm. in a way that required forgiveness or they wronged others in a way that required them um, to forgive. Uh, so don't look around at anyone and determine that how they are forgiving or what their mm-hmm. aura is like, don't, don't go based off right. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but forgiveness, even from uh, I, even a mature believer would not claim that forgiveness is always Mm -hmm. the easiest thing to do. And it requires a pretty significant, especially depending on the situation, it can require a significant, steadfast, intentional, right. Mm Self-controlled, um, to where you are giving this thing away, Mm -hmm. giving it up, Mm -hmm. preparing your heart Mm -hmm. for the, for the transaction of forgiveness multiple times a day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, faithfulness will, so like if we're commanded to forgive and we are faithful to prepare our hearts to forgive, you will see those, you will see it get easier. Yeah. 
but it is difficult mm-hmm. in the moment. And again, I think I just I don't think we should I don't think we we should be very careful to I think you just on a personal level, there's a lot of things that are that we because we're not like a super uh, persecuted group of people. Mm -hmm. I think we have convinced ourselves in some ways that it's easier than it really is Mm. because we haven't been required there hasn't been much required of us mm-hmm. as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, <laughs> I mean, now we're getting into, we're getting into it a little bit more because mm-hmm. now the a requirement for Christians is that they not be Christians. Right. Um, so I don't think I'm not <laughs> saying that way. I'm not saying we're, uh, none of us have experienced anything. I'm just saying that, j- that in a lot of ways, I think we are, e- we're easily convinced that, um, we should put like if we're trying to forgive prepare our hearts for forgiveness Mm -hmm. towards someone we're just like okay so like for the next like five days i'll just like work really hard and then it'll be done yeah no (laughs) (laughs) or just like the last time i had to forgive someone um you know i just thought about it and i realized that like they're my friend and i love them and right you know, and so maybe we've maybe we've thought that it's a little easier than right. it actually is. Right. But I don't want to. And in some, like I said, in some ways it should be easy to forgive. Yeah. And in some ways it will be easy to forgive because mm-hmm. it's your friend or your mom or your yeah. child or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I get the feeling more that what people are talking about is kind of like mm-hmm. the big. Yeah. The big stuff like. Mm-hmm. uh infidelity divorce Mm -hmm. um betrayal lying gossiping i think people do want to mean that when they're talking about this stuff okay however i think that is a cover for the fact that we have normalized harboring grudges and resentment and we will not take a good look at that okay I think that we have taught women that their life is so hard and everything's so unfair. I just saw someone on the internet going off about how they went to the bathroom for the billionth time and there's no toilet paper on the roll. And the reason, and then she wrote several paragraphs about why she was totally justified in being super angry and resentful at everyone for it. And it was all the victim stuff. It was, I make the list for the groceries and I bear the burden for everyone running their errands and getting things done. And so, of course, this is just the, you know, this is the cherry on top of all the microaggressions everyone commits against me. And um, that kind of behavior has been cultivated and normalized. So that I think even among Christian women, we have a a group of people who are not willing to take a look at how resentful they are towards their husbands and their kids and their friends for what would, I mean, certainly classify as microaggressions. I mean, not even, you know, I use that word jokingly. They're not aggressions. Like your kid not putting more toilet paper on the roll is not an act of aggression towards you large or small. Right. And so we've cultivated 
resentment and we have a low view of sin, especially our Mm -hmm. own sin, and then we justify it. We justify that these things are happening. And so I think it's far too easy for women to hear a conversation like this and be like, well, what about what about the rapist and what about the infidelity and what about um, because I I think that's an that's an easier conversation to have than to admit that you've been harboring resentment against your husband for leaving his socks on the floor. Because, quite frankly, you have no excuse in that scenario we all can admit it's it's hard to forgive your rapist so maybe it's gotten easier just because we're not willing to look we're not willing to look at the resentfulness that that runs rampant in our own lives and the fact of the matter is is that these are it is expressly forbid forbidden god forbids you to be resentful and to harbor all of these things I'll go ahead and read some verses too. And actually, just so you know, especially the instance where someone has not wronged you. And so there is no forgiveness transaction required and you hold resentment. You're actually, if you really want to use the phrase, the term, you're the aggressor. (laughs) Right. In that, (laughs) in that scenario. Yeah. You're the one starting the whole thing. You're, you're starting it. (laughs) You made the, you caused the problem. Um, Now you can argue with me to your blue in the face. Uh, that you're uh, you could rationalize why you started it oh boy can we we can rationalize anything Leviticus 19.18 you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord that's Leviticus 19.18 you are expressly forbidden <laughs> from bearing a grudge especially against your own people. How about your own husband, your own kid that didn't replace the toilet paper? You are especially not to bear a grudge against them because you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you, you perfect little daisy, forgot to replace the toilet paper, would you flip out? Right. No, you wouldn't. Um, Here's another one. Ephesians 4.31 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So it is your job to ensure that you are letting all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Uh, Hebrews twelve fifteen. How about this one? See to it. So this means consider your ways. Check for right. this. Okay. See to it that no one, that includes yourself, fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So this root of bitterness, you are to actually actively, how do you make sure a root is not growing? Well, you have to actually go into the garden. (laughs) Uh, You have to see what's happening there. (laughs) You have to check it out. You have to observe. Um, Mothers, you need to do this to your own hearts and teach well, your and children how to do it to theirs. Like don't like don't see a weed taking root and go, look at that flower. Oh, it's <laughs> it's not that big yet. <laughs> Let's worry about it when it's bigger. Cause that'll make it easier, right? When those weeds get bigger, that's when they become like super when they spread all over the garden, right. mm-hmm. that's when it's easier to deal with, right? Right? Okay. This whole conversation of like my husband's totally dying. creeping into my head. He's dying. I'm like, well, some some weeds are actually higher in nutritional value than a lot of the plants. 
He's not. You're. That's not. This is just for the. Shh, this is Matthew. Just for the, <laughs> the sake of this conversation. Right. So I think when so when people hear, okay, I know the Bible says not to be bitter. I know that I shouldn't be holding any grudges. I know that I shouldn't be cultivating resentment in my heart. I just don't know how. The Bible gives you the answer. I have some more Bible for you. Right. Um. So your your basic question is. How do I mortify this sin? Right. Because you need to name it as such. It's sin. This goes against the law of God. Cultivating resentment and bitterness. This is not loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, and so how do you mortify any sin? Because the, the way that you kill this sin in your life is the same way that you, same way that you kill any sin. Right. This is not a special category. Just because maybe this is something you struggle with more doesn't make it a special category of sin. I would say this is a universal category of right. sin that we all have to be practiced yep. in. So maybe that's why it seems like there's more to it. Um but you kill sin through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. You pray, you ask God um, to show you your blind spots, to empower you. You trust him, you obey him, you act like Jesus, and you believe his promises. And Jesus modeled this for us because Jesus was not a man full of resentment. Right. Jesus did not carry any grudges. Um, and so... I would say one of the first places to look to first uh, Peter two twenty three says when he was reviled. So we're talking about being mistreated mm-hmm. when he was reviled. He did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but OK, so here's what Jesus did do. So he didn't revile in return. He didn't make any threats. He didn't lash out in anger. Uh, he did not threaten anyone. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So how do you how do you not allow the sin done to you to totally take over your life, turn you into this crazy, resentful person? You do what Jesus did. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So we entrust right. ourselves to God. We trust that no matter how we've been treated that God is the judge and that he is the one that is going to make all things new. Right. Uh, And then in the same book, first Peter five, 10 says, and after you have suffered a little while, so we acknowledge that you will suffer. Yeah. (laughs) The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. So not only does he judge the sinner justly not only will he deal with all sin but he will also restore you he will establish you he will strengthen you you trust his promises you trust that he is like romans 8 28 says he is working all things together for good and that includes the really big true aggressions that happen against you right to the really small ones that you need to learn how to get over um yeah the stuff that the stuff that you want leaves you wondering like how could I ever prepare my heart for forgiveness over this thing Mm -hmm. and the stuff that we have made not a sin Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) like we have rationalized it to the point yeah where I've made it even you hurt my feelings so you you're in sin or how about this you just didn't do something my most favorite way (laughs) 
and now yeah. I'm resent now I resent you. Right. I do think that's the more mm-hmm. well, and I think actually in our day in our day and age, those really are like the two issues. Those are the two like hard. Uh, those are the two hard uh, resentments and mm. situations that I think we deal with is you deal with someone that's saying like, I had this legitimately horrible thing happen. How, d- and then the world is like, well, you never have to forgive or, but you should, because then you can like release that into the universe and it doesn't have to be in your s- chakras anymore or whatever Something about vibes. I don't know. <laughs> and then over here and then you have, so on one side you have the world telling you, you know that really impossible to forgive stuff just let it go release it like petals in the wind do it for you and you know that really (laughs) that everyday annoyance type stuff Mm -hmm. uh we're gonna need you to internalize that and use it to rationalize Mm -hmm. the way that you treat everyone in your life Mm -hmm. whether it be a driver next to you on the road (laughs) who you'll never see again right or your husband who you you will have to wake up with (laughs) every day for the rest of your life uh-huh yeah no big deal and they're just totally opposing right hopefully the inconsistency can show you that there isn't that what i just said is what the world will tell you about resentment and forgiveness right and it totally goes it makes no sense it goes against it's foolishness it's utter foolishness it it Mm -hmm. it is neither going to help you uh forgive and it's not going to let you be, it's mm-hmm. not going to get rid of your resentments and it's not going to help you mm-hmm. no longer be the center mm-hmm. of the universe. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super interesting. Um, there's this really quick story in Acts 8 that I guess had never really hit me before. Um, but so the Apostle Peter is talking to this guy named Simon and this is taking place in Acts 8. And Peter says to him, Peter is rebuking him. And he says, you, ha- you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Okay, so he's talking to Simon. Simon's heart is not right. Peter says, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So he straight up tells the guy, like, you are you are enslaved right. to this bitterness that's in your heart and this bitterness is sin the intent in your heart is sin and you need to repent right and then simon said to peter and i mean simon responded you know as a repentant person should right. and he says pray for me to the lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me so he's saying like, yes, I do need prayer. This bitterness is here. My intentions were wicked. I do need. So the apostle is saying like, if you find that the intentions of your heart are wicked, you need to repent. Right. If you are enslaved to your bitterness and resentment, you need to pray and ask for forgiveness right. and you need to turn away from it. And I, you know, it is not... I think we've just told people for so long that this is so hard and it's so impossible, but it's like at the end of the day, like, okay, if I don't believe in, I think pragmatism is a sin. I think right. it, we, we don't be pragmatic, but I do think that on the flip side, 
the way that God has said to live is always going to be more joyful and cheerful. Right. So, I mean, think in your head of somebody who's extremely bitter and resentful. Think in your head of somebody, you know, who you would be like, yeah, they're not full of bitterness. They're Mm -hmm. not full of resentment. Can you tell me which one seems to be of a more cheerful disposition? Which one seems to have a sweeter, more fun time in life? Right. It's not going to be the person that's enslaved to bitterness. Right. That's not, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable because it goes against your design. You're not supposed to be someone who's just full of bitterness right. and malice and, and resentment. And so from, from a, a standpoint of like, we trust that God's promises uh, do lead to a path of joy Living in such a way that is disobedient by holding on to resentment and holding on to bitterness instead of letting it be put away from you is a quick path to being miserable. So like, why, why choose it? I just want to say like, why choose it? Because it is a choice and it may not feel like a choice, but I'm saying part of the reason it doesn't feel like a choice is because you've been told there's only two options. You engage in this therapeutic forgiveness that's mostly for yourself and all about you, you, you. And it's not really about reconciliation. Uh, it's not modeled on how you were forgiven in Christ. But like it's for you. It's for you. Either you do that or you just be angry all the time. And right. th- those are not the two options that scripture gives you. Well, no, because and it's insane that on one hand, in one of those situations, you are wondering how you could ever reconcile with this person who did X, Y, Z to you. And then on the other hand, you are the one that is threatening reconciliation. (laughs) So if, especially if you are doing both of those two things in your life, stop and think. Mm -hmm. And just so you know, I'm talking to all of you and I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to you summer because we, if, if any of us can think of a situation where you're like, man, I don't know how I could fully forgive Mm -hmm. or prepare my heart for forgiveness Mm -hmm. towards this person. You have in the last two weeks kept score of everything that everyone's done wrong to you or your spouse or my spouse just didn't do this. And if he would do this, then our lives would be better. Um, and that is, that's the kind of resentment that Summer's talking about. That's totally normal and rationalized in our society, but it's not normal. It should not. It's sin. <laughs> it is not normal. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is not. Um, and it is not helpful. And it is not only not helpful, it is totally destructive mm-hmm. and in a way, I think it could be the one thing that really is destroying mm-hmm. families, mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. the relationship between a husband and a wife. And then mm-hmm. again, um, mom, dad, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so you are not. Um, but the 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 prescription is the same right the solution is the same Mm -hmm. um that you're supposed to stop worshiping yourself yep and worship god yep um and i guess maybe it's it might feel easier in the moment to worship yourself but if you're so worried about reconciliation Mm -hmm. uh know that it's not the easiest way Mm-hmm. And even if it feels easier, you're not going to be seeking reconciliation by harboring 
resentment against people. And so you right. need to uh, cut that out of your life. I think it looks particularly violent um, internally, at least because it is something that happens mm-hmm. almost entirely inside your head. Um, but also keep in mind, it can happen outside of your head when you tell someone about something or you're constantly chattering away about mm-hmm. whatever stuff you're the victim of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it needs to be, it needs to be, um, destroyed in your life. And that's going to require a lot of discipline. And if you've been living in rampant resentment discipline might feel hard at the beginning Mm -hmm. but that's how that will be removed from your life yeah like it's hard to do things that are purified by obedience yeah it's hard to work a muscle you haven't worked right it's pretty weak right but it doesn't stay that way right and you need to keep working right that muscle and we are told to confess our sins to one another and to be healed that is how reconciliation comes right. is through confession and repentance. And so it's like, how, how do I be free of this? Well, first you need to confess it. You need to repent of it and you need to be restored. And trust me, if you think the people in your life don't know that you've been harboring resentment toward them, you are deceiving yourself because they absolutely know whether or not they could put a name to it. Right. Because they're five, right, or what have you, right? They absolutely know, right. So you're not telling when you confess and repent. You're actually you're not telling them something new. At all, so go ahead and just let it be healed because that's the prescription for that is confession and repentance and reconciliation. It could be the thing that plagues you every day. You could be free of it if you want. I'm gonna. I'm about to hit play on this song, and I don't know how it starts. Oh, <laughs> so we're just gonna see what happens. Anyway, you can leave us a voicemail at four seven zero four six five zero four seven five, and you can hit us up at Patreon.com/slash/Sheologians and uh, support us there. We're very appreciative for all of you who support us and who do book club with us, and we hope mm. that you have a fantastic week. And we'll see y'all next week. See ya.